Hey there, everybody. This is Tavo DRC from Tavo Creative Leadership, onlinefellowship.us. And I'm continuing my story about when I started in ministry uh, and the Lord called me at 24 to study his body, the Christian body, their doctrines, their leaders, their styles, things they didn't like, things they preferred, their music and everything. I didn't know I'd get into a lot of the things I'm telling you now. And it has been an adventure, but I'm counting it all joy because I met the Lord throughout this. He was always there with me, held my hand, and he showed me about forgiveness, but he also showed me how to be strong and noble Berean. And I want to help people by sharing this because people are immune. I was out in the seats with the people on this mission. I was never famous, surrounded by bodyguards, handlers on the stage at that time. And I don't mean that's bad or proud or superior. No, no, no. I'm saying if you're surrounded and isolated up in the pulpit and the and not out in the pews or not out in the grassroots, then you will not know what normal people, the everyday person may encounter and the everyday minister. And that's who we're for, the everyday person, not the famous. We're for the famous, but you know what I mean? We're for normal people, natural people who are hungry for God, want to please the Lord, go through great circumstances in their private house just to go fellowship. And nobody wants to be jumped, accused, ridiculed, put down just for trying to love on Jesus and Hebrews 10, 25 fellowshipping with the saints. So we're teaching this for the pure hearted. If you're not pure hearted, well, you can handle it. And we're trying to come out and take a big stand to confront caustic, toxic Christ following in the rank and file. And that's what I'm doing. So I'd left off that I'd been at the, you know, I'd been abused the day before. My father was a very happy man. There was no abuse there, no violence. I wasn't used to that, but I had been in a marriage that was growing worse and worse, violent, emotionally abusive. And I didn't know if I should really go as much younger, if I should go to the March for Jesus the next day, because I'd really had a, been lambasted by that awful spirit the day before, and I was just feeling depleted, but I didn't hear either way, so I thought, I love Jesus, I'll go, and I took my friend Barbara with me, and so she saw this. So I was confronted, I was called over, and I knew people, because I was around town in ministry more, not like Dallas, but I was around town, it was a smaller area, I was, you know, people recognized me. So this group of ministers who had gotten into, gotten off into their own doctrine, which was Levitical patriarchism, I believe, or needing to be over everybody, king over everybody. And I wasn't as bold as I am now. And these were not black or brown. And so this doctrine had gotten in there that I had been in one meeting of their group because I love worship. And I happened to be there that night where one of their friends, not the group that the person that did it that day, but they're a bunch of people with the same shepherding type, you know, control spirit. I'd been on a meeting where they got a book out, the, the apostle who was preaching, the pastor apostle, and he said he got this man, C. Peter Wagner, who's a famous, honorable gentleman who's now with the Lord. We're not putting it on Peter Wagner, but they got his book. Anybody can get any book, including the Bible, and twist it the way they want it or they see it in error. So I happened to be there that night where the book was <laughs> mentioned by C. Peter Wagner. <laughs> and it said that God puts 
certain apostles in the gates of the city to be over everybody else. Well, that explained it. I didn't know that, that that book was there, and it is not in the New Testament. But that was their word, their manna that they traded on. So I was not of that kind. I had a board. I had people that spoke in my life, but I was I was a fellow minister. They didn't know that. They didn't want to get to know me. They didn't, you know, their leadership was not allowing me. <laughs> that was not their thought of me. And I wasn't under them. I went to their meeting, but I was with, I was, you know, I had to go once in a while because I loved the Holy Spirit. And I knew the worship leader, but I was not there to be under them. Well, this is the whole crux of that teaching because it's out here too in Dallas a lot. Oh, more than I ever would have known up and down the East Coast, North Carolina, you name it. <laughs> this was what happened was in my former state. All right. So I didn't know I was much meeker, timid, shy, plus going through domestic violence. I loved my husband. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to keep the marriage together, but it was, in, you know, and then I was a minister around town and two children. So I'd gone to the March for Jesus. I got summoned over. And then instead of them saying hi, like a peer, which I thought Christian fellow Christian, they took it to surround me with other ministers, and they said, I want this one person. I was alone, so to speak, and they didn't know me. They didn't have any relationship with me to know I had a board, I had a husband who said, fine, all these things going on. All they do is they would see me by myself, and I think that was their big bugaboo because their doctrine, she is not under authority. She is alone she is in you know she's not under covering this is just only one of many like this same type of belief this is a huge teaching in certain groups holy spirit groups charismatic prophetic not all but too many that's why i'm being this vocal god is having me speak out loud this is his move not ours not a white person's move not a black person's move this is god's move all right so as I was, you know, quiet, pretty, you know, pretty, not feeling too great that day, I walked over to say hi, and instead he he took it to on upon himself to rebuke me in public, and that's where I left off on the last tape. So he openly rebuked me, and he said the typical words of a Levitical patriarch. I didn't know that until now. Everybody knows you're in rebellion in your home. And you're not, and you're not under authority. And then he called another person, another pastor, to be his witness for that. And I was like stunned because it was an energy, an explosion at me, like a demonic spirit, a religious spirit. And it wasn't their business. They had never been in my home. They didn't know me that well. They didn't ask me privately, like Matthew eighteen fifteen says. They didn't ask me. How does God use you? Do you have a board? They just took it upon themselves to be the big boss and to own everybody. So it stunned me, and I've already talked about it in the former tape. You'll have to listen to all that, and it took me years to get over it. Not because I didn't forgive them, not because I didn't love them, but because of a spiritual demonic force that does hurt people. Add that to abuse add that to accusation. So then 
after that over it, I went over there a few weeks later, made an appointment to confront the man, you know, politely and respectfully and to ask him what was going on with him and, you know, figure, settle everything to keep a relationship going in the body of Christ, pure hearted. I walked in, he glowered at me. And from that point on, it was like this evil. It was just so arrogant, so unloving and so unchristian that I just dropped out and God started sending me to Florida and traveling all over the place to study his body, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Tulsa, different places where I didn't have to be near that connection. Well, I was hurt, but I wrote a book about multifaceted attack. If you were multifaceted, God, the devil will try to send many multifaceted attack at the same time. I can't remember what I called it, but it was some kind of to overwhelm you. And that's what was going on personally and in that area I loved. I'd been for 10 years in ministry with no issue. Nobody ever called me out. Nobody thought I was in rebellion. I am the most James 317 person you'd ever want to meet in real life. Like the wisdom of God, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and white and and without hypocrisy. So that's why I teach this strongly because it's that bad and big when this happens. All it takes is one or two times. Well, when I went, it drove me to the Lord. I forgave him, but I thought, this is the devil. It should never happen to anybody. That is completely, but I didn't have any voice. I had too much going on in my life to even do anything but go to God and write about it. But through the years, when I would be studying the body, that same spirit would rise up, usually every seven years. So I took off and went down to North Carolina, enjoyed myself. There was none of that at the time. I didn't have anybody on my, you know, I had plenty of people, pastors, ministers that were fine, family. All it takes are big shots, a couple of big shots. And that's where we're talking about it, ego. Seven years went past, and I had an older lady who was a friend, a widow of a famous Pentecostal minister, and we heard of a meeting at the church where they had read about the C. Peter Wagner's book that the pastor, you know, the God puts apostles in the gates of the city to be over everybody. Well, you know, God wouldn't put anybody over all the other ministers. They got to hear God for themselves. That could lead to control. That could lead to cult or really error. So I figured, you know, I'm older now. Seven years have passed. This is 2003. The first jump was 1996. I'm mature. I feel so good. I'm feeling healthy. I don't feel mad. I'm going to go over there and love on him and see this famous intercessor with my friend, the older lady. So it was a two-night meeting. We go over there to this church, which was part of the group that jumped me. You know, they, they were friends. They, they all had this same kind of clique of ministers. But back then in a small town, they're the ones that rule because that's all who's there. You know, they're the bigwigs of the area. And they're in the the authority God has put. Now, I'm not just a charismatic, I'm not a charismatic now at all, but I believe in the Holy Spirit and everything he wants to do, but I would more like down-to-earth Baptist, plain person, 
cross-body, non-denominational, cross-denominational. And I happen to like different kinds of Christians, so I'll go chat and visit, see what the Lord's doing, black or white, brown or Hispanic or Asian, doesn't matter to me. And that's how I was raised, not to be one kind, just to be a Christian. That's what I think Ephesians 4 is about, isn't it? Being a Christian first. I didn't know all these rules were out there, which are not all from the Lord. They're demonic, controlling, character assassinating. Well, here's my story. So we we passed, and I had gotten where I was mature. I had gotten fear-free, not into human-pleasing, no fear of man, no fear of people, respectful for all. So we went to the meeting the first night, and the person who is the man that read the book, the apostle, he smiled at me, and I thought, man, that is a big deal. And I smiled back. I thought, man, this is a new day starting out again. I feel like we can all be peers and friends, you know, in the body of Christ, on the same team. So it, the meeting was so good that the next night, and they were so positive, I thought, I'll go back again. So I went by myself the second night, and I happened to enjoy the meeting. And after the meeting, I thought everything was fine. So I went and I saw this, one of their elders, a lady, a girl, you know, a young woman that I had talked to and she had cancer and I have fa had faith for her cancer. I have faith for healing. And at the, after the meeting, I was sitting there calmly talking to her about faith, you know, just trying to figure out what prayer needs she had. And I was going to pray when all of a sudden this pastor's wife of the man who read the book, the head authority comes over and says, you need to get out. And so I looked at the husband and he beckoned me. Oh, I don't know, but I went over there to see what was going on because I'm quiet. James 3.17, dignified, respectful, watching all the boundaries. Always have, always will be, always. So I go there and I go there and I look down at him because I'm about, I guess, six inches taller. <laughs> so I go over there and I thought, this is professional. You smiled at me the night before. I smiled back. I really meant it. And instead, this person grabs me by my elbow and escorts me out. And this pastor says to me on the way out, everybody knows you're a witch. Everybody knows you're a Jezebel. All the pastors do. And because I was not the old Tavo at the 1996 March for Jesus, I was this brand new joyful Tavo and had five board members and a husband who said, fine, go to any meeting you feel like it. I just took it in and it was like, I was stunned. But guess what? I wasn't hurt. I went, wow, what are we seeing? I'm sitting, what in the world? What I noticed was the use of phrases. He said, Tavo, all the pastors know this. And I thought, I looked down, I said, but I'm James 3.17. First, the wisdom of God is, first of all, pure, then peaceable, and easily entreated. I'm all three. And he walked me out, and I'm six inches taller, so I'm taking it all in. And then I thought, I know all these pastors. I know tons of pastors, the ones in the board. I know the people around that he doesn't know I know. Nobody says that or makes me feel that bad. Nobody tries to come against me. So I thought, 
If he says that all the pastors know, that means he gossips. And I'd heard about this man calling people witches before. He called me all those horrible charismatic names. But I just rode in stride because I knew the Lord. I felt so good, no matter what. And I thought, wow, this is too supernatural. This is too strange. So on the way out, he was escorting me to the door. And he says, you are never to come back in here, which is fine. And he got an elder who is shorter than he, which is five foot one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm guessing. So they both escorted me out. And it was a dark night. I had my mom van back then. And so I looked down. And I went, and I said to the elder who escorted me out. And his wife was really nice. I remember how nice she was. She smiled, which is rare for that group. <laughs> they didn't smile much. So I walked out and I calmly said as he escorted me to pitch me out into the moonlight. <laughs> he sa I said, but the wisdom, let's see, the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceable, and easily entreated, and I'm all three. And so I left. Well, I got in the car and all of a sudden after I did, I went, oh my heavens, what has happened? So I went home and I told my husband what happened, who's now my ex. Not that I wanted it, but it happened. And so he said, well, I told you not to go there because they're a cult. And I went, well, that's so nice because he's trying to be on my team. He didn't ever tell me not to go there. He just didn't like him anyway. <laughs> but he was trying to be there for me. But then I thought, I need to call every board member. And I called him up. And I was willing to let him tell me anything. You know, I'm open. So I called each one up, four or five of them, at every one of them, and they all said the same thing. They said, this is what they told me after I shared exactly what happened, that I was kicked out for the first and only time. I don't think I've been kicked out since. And they said, Tavo, we're so proud of you. You're not hurt every single one of them and I went you're right I'm not hurt that is God that I'm not hurt so make a long story short later years later I moved to Texas and I go to a pastor's gathering out at Eagle Mountain so I was at a ministry meeting at Eagle Mountain and I looked in the back and who is sitting behind me two seats behind me was the same elder and his wife who <laughs> escorted me out and I went oh my what do I do? And I thought, you know what? This is the new Tavo. I am not afraid. I'm just going to go there and say hi to them. So I went over there and said hi to them. And they said, said hi back. I said, do you remember what happened? Do you remember me and what happened? They said, oh, yeah, we remember. But he did that to us two weeks later. <laughs> this is part of what goes on in body life, America. This is part of what goes on in prophetic or real ministry. This is real ministry. So we want to know, you know what? Have you ever had anything like this? Just write me and share it briefly. You have to forgive them, though. I forgave them, but it's too wild not to teach on it. It's about a religious spirit, wrong theology, about being covered, what is authority, what is Old Testament theology for authority, what is New Testament theology, what is really government. And out of it, out of all these years, beside the ode to whelp at the top of onlinefellowship.us, which is the real deal of what I went through in a lot of people, one time during that same era in 2000. 96 in the 90s to early 2000s 
the Lord had me encounter 30 people, 31 people who'd had the same thing done, their reputations ruined, blackballed, all this stuff by the same group, and one man and the rest females. And they're all quiet, soft-spoken, easily entreated, and that's what I'm having to teach. It's that. It could be that poisonous and that stressful in a little bitty community, in a big community, and surely the black people do it, but these were not black people. I've never had an African-American disrespect me to my face. I really never have, and I know a lot of them. All right, so we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to do our doctrinal research, be a noble Berean, and not be back under the law, not be sin spires, not get books that you don't even know if they're really true or not, and really research your New Testament. So right now my credo, my message, and I'm the messenger, is to say it's not about doing good deeds, all these rules, getting it perfectly right, being accurate in your perceptive prophetic powers, not being over everybody or under everybody. It's not in the New Testament. It's about relationships. Let us go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when Jesus Christ was alive on the earth, and let us each study and analyze every single relationship Jesus had in an area in his ministry with his mother, with his families, you know, his half-brothers and sisters, and with the saints, the sinners, the fallen, the men, and the women, and analyze it through the relationships. How did Jesus act? How did Jesus react in ministry, in personal life, and then we react and act the same, and we'll have no trouble with getting people to come back. And Hebrews 10.25, fellowship with the saints. If anything, out of all this walk, and long time, very long time of studying this since I was in my 20s, by God's grace, if anything will be, let us preserve relationships. Let us choose to preserve the good name of Jesus, the hopeful, helpful, loving, safe, sane name of Jesus Christ, the first ministry, apostle, the seer of all seers, the teacher of all teachers, the apostle of all of the rest of us for all times. And I want to submit this to you. So that was the big ones, two big ones. The first one hurt. The second one did not. That is God, but it helps you to study what is a cult spirit, what is a control spirit, what is a perceiver, discerner gone wild, what is errant doctrine, what is truth. You've got to know because it's all out there. It's all out there. When I would travel up and down the East Coast in ministry and I was getting more and more toward the prophetic and more and more to the leadership I did notice that there were groups where I'd just be greeted as a friend, as a peer, as a sister in Christ. And that's so wonderful. White and black, Asian, all these different kinds just think, oh man, they're wonderful. Baptists, perfect, you know, missionary Baptists, Church of God in Christ. None of the big hoop to do about all this other stuff, doctrine and control. When I'd get into other groups, I'd notice that if I, as a female, would talk, even want to come over and say thank you, it was a great meeting, 
whatever my spirit is, whatever my countenance has on them, we global, not we centric, it would cause them to react. Deer in the headlights, bold, blank stares, like I've seen something evil on you. Which, that's a controlling spirit, is what I'm doing, is shaking up a religious spirit, and they manifest <laughs> when I'm around in that kind, that one or two kinds. All right, if I go over there and they're rock star ministers, another one. If as a female, you walk over and say hi because you're used to other males dealing with men all the time. Your father's a pastor. You love men. You know, respect men. You always have James 3.17, easily entreated. You are very wholesome and not after them. And then you walk over to say hi and they are this whatever this spirit on them and they act like you're their groupie that you're coming after them that you are have ulterior motives that you're out and it runs in the same kind of group we centric people levitical patriarch people i don't know what their spiritual fathers their daddies were like or told them but they gotta get some clues from this please respect all equal opportunity male or female black or white if you're a christian you need to really go out of your way to be the real deal and respect the mothers, the sisters, the leaders, the lay, all nations. Okay, that's our message, our ministry, our, you know, our mantra. Finally, I think I'll save this one for the next one because I don't want to run out of room. But I have one more after I, you know, when I learned about... What I've gotten so passionate about, equal opportunity, real respect, comes out of this because in North Carolina, I would be like profiled by this kind of group. I'd be profiled like I walk up, they won't speak because I'm a female and they're white. I woke up, they think you're after them. Like I've spoken to a thousand men and nobody acted like that or my dad. I'm used to being respected. So I have to speak on it. But when I came, when the Lord sent me to the deep south, which is far from North Carolina, but the deep, deep south, I had no clue about what I was going to encounter in a spiritual sense. I like Dallas. I like Texas. Oh, I like it. It is the spiritual caliber of the of whatever it is, this chauvinism, anti, you know, stereotyping because they're busy handing you over i'll have to tell that one on a special one the next one because you know we want all of jesus houses to be equal opportunity real respect things started coming out my writings on tavo leader especially through the years out here the the dfw area inspired if i see something more than three times or more i teach on it so that i've had lots of teaching the eli temple high priesthood compassion fatigued maybe in it for the money the levitical patriarchism the different things that are i'm teaching obed excuse me the obadiah the edomite priesthood many things came up so we want to teach so that we can look on ourselves while we're in this shutdown if it's still the pandemic when you hear this we want to really get our hearts ready for when we're not in the shutdown that we can get back and we can lose this callousness this caustic toxicity this shallowness this hail fellow well-met drive-by 
pollution that calls itself fellowshipping with the saints in ministry wouldn't be the real deal, genuine and down-to-earth low-key. We don't want any stranger like I was jumped just at a... (laughs) Maybe I'll have to tell it again on the next one, but... What happened was I was grieving the loss of my marriage. I wanted to be work it out. I was given no option. And so I was grieving and also not feeling really a good fit down here in Dallas ministry. I just didn't feel the, I don't know, there's something about it. That I just didn't feel real. So I went to try out a ministry and I walked up to say hello like I would on the East Coast. Introduce myself as a peer, as a maybe, you know, let's have a connection in the relationship and a network since... And I was grabbed by the wrist by the man, and he put me my wrist in the arm of a female, and the female was this doctrine of whelp, and started to, without knowing me or knowing my name, getting my information, started to openly rebuke me in the front of the church loudly for not being under authority and saying, you are not under authority. God has sent you here to be under our ministry and sit in those seats. And she pointed to the seats. I said, but, but I'm, you know, I already had a board. No, you are not under authority. And I was already sensitive. See, the devil comes to the demons come when you're already feeling bad, poorly to really pour it on. At least he does with me. So that made me feel so horrible because I shouldn't have to protest and she wanted to keep on going which is false teaching this is false I never have anything to say except get it right it's back under the law it is out from under authority you say you're under authority you want me to be under that authority when you don't know me you don't want to know me get a relationship that's the whole thing that is a poverty mindset do we forgive yes but do we make it example because it happens that often Please, let's put the respect in our leadership back for all people. Strangers, aliens, angels, unawares. This is Tavo D'Arcy. I gotta go. Have a great night. I don't know if there'll be a part four, but we'll see. God bless you. Love you all. Bye-bye.